Hello everybody and welcome back to the New Look Hard Truth Business Podcast with me, Mike Rothen, and as always, the one and only Senor Kennedy. How are you, mate? Senor, wow, I like that. Yeah, a bit, a bit of European flair onto it, why not? Uh, well, we've got um, a couple of news, obviously we had a week off last week because of work commitments and we've made the decision to switch releasing these podcasts from a Friday to a Monday. That's just so it makes it a little bit easier to to record. We usually record a bit later in the week um, and it gives me a bit of time to edit it, edit out all my sneezes and coughs and urns, basically. <laughs> there are many. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we're switching it into a release on a Monday. So that is when you'll be hearing this. So today, what we're going to look at, we've got a few bits of news. We've got everybody's favourite president, Donald Trump, bit of news from him. We've got a British entrepreneur who has sold his second business, first business he sold at 17. And we're talking about Barbie. That's going to be a, that's going to be an interesting one for us. I didn't expect the last one, but, you know, I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I read that one. I read it. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, and I was like, well, these numbers are shocking. I was not expecting these. Um, and then after that, we are finding out about me. It's all about me this week, Mr. Kennedy. Favourite subject. Oh, gosh, yeah, something like that anyway. Um, we've got we've got a few guests lined up. It's just trying to get um, things all uh, scheduled in all at the same time. We've got somebody from Football Index to talk about the absolute shit show that happened there. So hopefully we can get that recorded soon and sent out to everybody. Um, but first, let's talk about the news. Go on. Uh, do you know what, Mr. Kennedy? I'll let you jump in about Mr. Trump. <laughs> what what's what's going on with everybody's favorite floppy haired president Donald Trump? Well, as we've seen with Trump and anyone with any uh, sort of money or perceived clout, if you don't like something, say you get banned from Twitter, you continue suing Twitter because why not? But then you just set up your own social media platform because why would you not? As you do, known as or soon to be known as. The Truth social media platform, oh, galvanizing yeah. American conservative oh, media. Oh, oh, I can mean, you, it's, can it's, you it's... taste the irony? Can you just <laughs> taste the irony in the air? Donald Trump released a platform called Truth. <laughs> and yeah, and it's in no way similar to Twitter, especially when you consider on Twitter you retweet. Uh, on Truth, you allegedly retruth. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, just bring in the uh, the uh, like button, and I mean, yeah, there's there's no alleged difference there. I can't wait for the picture, like the the logo, to be like of a of, it, oh, it will one hundred percent be an eagle. I can no, guarantee you now. Red, ca- all red writing in um, capitals, just truth. <laughs> He's, do you know what he is? Is a genius, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> this this is going to flop so fast it will be embarrassing yep it's his middle quote unquote it's him taking on silicon valley and you think well okay fine you can i i i mean i'm all for the little guy trying to you know get ahead on the big guy but when it's two big guys going at each other one of which is not really well liked you almost <laughs> think hmm 
I'd rather like to rewatch the Hindenburg go down because it's just going to be like this. <laughs> it, what it will be is it's just going to get a lot of very, very far-right-leaning Americans on there trying not to be racist. That's all it's going to be. I mean, I'm usually pretty, uh, again, I'm usually pretty partisan on most political matters, but I just can't stand Trump in the slightest. It just encapsulates America's pay-to-win political system, which, again... I know it's it can be deemed similar in this country, but dare I say, in America, you have a two-party system. It's one or the other. At least in this country, if you decide you want to stand as an independent, you can. Yeah. And you can you know set up whichever party you want. I mean, uh, massive respect to the monster-raving loony party. I don't know um, if they're still around, but I wish uh, them all the very best. Yeah, I'm, I'm a paying member, paying member since 2010. Why doesn't that surprise no, you? I'm not. <laughs> I'd love to be. But uh, what is it? Lord Binhead. Is that his name? Yep, something like that. <laughs> Lord Buckethead yeah, or something the, like that. Who I remember standing against Theresa May in local elections. But anyway, before we go off on a complete tangent. <laughs> on the legend that is Lord Binhead or whatever his name is. <laughs> love that guy. No, I agree. American politics is so weird. The fact that Donald Trump was president in the first place. And have you seen South Park where um, they take the mick out of him? Um, who, who is, who's the teacher in... Um, well, Mr. Garrison. Mr. Garrison is basically Donald Trump. And he's trying really hard to not win. But the more he tries to not win, the, like, the more he just... I'll just keep saying stupider and stupider stuff. The, the, the dumber stuff he said, the more people loved it. And that is that the Trump supporters all over, isn't it? I mean, it's, sadly, when... Trump threw his hat into the ring. I knew he'd win. As, oh, yeah. uh, and I remember saying that to friends and family, and they were saying, oh, no, it won't happen. I said, it will, because he's so anti-establishment, it will be seen as a breath of fresh air. But whether or not that breath of fresh air then turns into a farce is another thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, there's one way to, to, to announce Trump's presidency is a fresh air turn into a fart. Well, I mean, this is the man who allegedly eats two McDonald's a day and is probably in better shape than me. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I sort of have to respect that. Well, well, he's, he's self-made, you know. He's compl- he's 100% self-made. Got, got Only got a few million dollars off his daddy. Wasn't it about... Well, again, I don't want to say this as fact, but wasn't it about 56 million? Something I like think that? it was more than That's that. Quote-unquote <clears throat> small loan? Yeah, I think... the. He got a loan off his dad, but then his um, uh, what was it called? Rich people have a little little pot of money from daddy um, that they can fund. trust fund. Um, it basically, him and his his siblings' trust fund was worth in the billions. Uh, and apparently, if you just put that trust fund into a very uh, basic uh, interest rate then he would be richer than he is now with all his genius <laughs> Trump enterprises, which is madness. But anyway, Trump is making a social media, which is going to be a shit show, but conservatives, right-wing, far-right-leaning conservatives over the US will love it until it is a breeding ground of racism and it gets shut down. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh, Mike Rothen's predictions. That's I mean, it. Uh, the thing I've never been wrong. The thing which slightly baffles me is that 
there are right-wing platforms already. You know, you have, I think it's Telegram, I think there's Parler. I mean, there's a number, and I suspect there's probably more on the left as well. I mean, let's face it, there's always two Twitter. sides of every <laughs> in that respect. Twitter um, is very left-leaning. <laughs> I'm not on Twitter anymore, so I haven't actually... I mean, all, all I seem to see is uh, uh, tweets from you, my friend. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I just it slightly confuses me that rather than thinking, well, I'm going to set up on one on something that's established and ultimately I don't have to fund and worry about, I'm just going to do it myself. And part of me thinks, okay, I will sort of respect that sort of that quote unquote can do attitude, even though it's just a case of let's throw money at it attitude. But it just I don't I don't understand why cause it was like the. Oh, I think it, I can't remember which right-leaning American brought it out, but the, I don't suppose you ever read about the Freedom Phone, where... Ooh, I did. It was brought out about six or eight months ago, and it flopped because it had no security. Well, sorry, shouldn't say that. It had very little security. Allegedly, from those who know far more than I do, it was extremely easy to hack into. And it Freed. was made in China, which, again, I personally have no grief with. But, it, I mean, let's face it, Trump's favorite, one of his favorite buzzwords was China. Just <laughs> sorry if I can get the pronunciation quite right. Um, have you seen him where he was, on, he was on telly trying to flog his fucking ties or some shit? Oh, and, I mean, he's got ties, water, hotels. I mean, oh, you, uh, well, you, you name there, it, if you can get someone else to pay for it for him. Or buy his merch, so to speak. Then yeah. he will do it. Or the "Make America Great Again" hats that were made in China. That's it. So he was on a telly. He was on some sort of chat show, trying to flog these, and they were they were basically saying, "Let's have a look." Oh, the ties are made in China. The shirts are made in Taiwan. And all this about Trump saying, "Oh, I'm going to bring all this industry back to the USA." He wasn't even doing it himself. He's. Yeah. He is the presidential version of Insulate Britain. Oh, I mean, that's quite a low blow. Uh, 10, minutes, you, 20, your, uh, 10, 10 minutes, 23 so. seconds. 10 minutes, 23 seconds until I mentioned Insulate Britain. And, uh, let's not get into them. We'll, we might talk about a little bit about them after the news. Um, all right, enough of Trump. <clears throat> let's go from somebody who has been given everything in his life um, to a British entrepreneur who has sold his second company. The first of which is a guy called Nick. I'm going to absolutely butcher this name, by the way. Nick D'Alosio. Okay. So when he was 17, he sold his mobile app Sumly to Yahoo for $30 million when he was 17. Wow. Absolute legend. Um, he has now just sold his his new app to Twitter, which is insane. I don't think I I don't think figures have been released yet, um, as of when we're recording. But there he has sold his his app to Twitter. It's called Sphere, and basically what Sphere is is it it's similarly like a direct messaging app. So Twitter have basically been saying they've they've acquired this to increase their DM popularity um, and to help their community. So Twitter want people to be chatting more through Twitter DMs, basically. 
I mean, so that, that is what some level of sense. I mean, let's face it. I, I believe, and again, you probably know more than I would on this matter. But haven't Twitter recently added a feature where, if things are say getting a bit hot under the collar, it will say in terms of if people are getting a bit, uh, let's say, frustrated with one another, it will give you a wee warning just to say, "Are you sure you want to get involved with this?" Because actually, I mean, that's. I've got to be honest, that's one of the reasons I left Twitter uh, a little while ago. I just, I just, not so much op- people's opinions. I like, you know, I like hearing different people's opinions, especially when they differ to mine. I love that. But ultimately, it was just people just going at one another the entire time. And I, for me personally, I think that's Twitter's greatest problem. Yeah. And if they are addressing that in their community, or at least saying, look, if you're going to have these arguments, please have them uh, directly to one another. Then I'm 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 for it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I Twitter's really the only social media I use. Um, I don't post that often on there. But I, the the worst thing about it is the the idiocy on there and the fact that people can just message anonymously without knowing all the facts. I had a a lovely conversation with a Forest fan who didn't know that Nottingham Forest actually isn't based in Nottingham. It's based in Nottinghamshire. Um, so that level of pedantacy from me to make him aware of this was was creme de la creme, the kind of shit house that I'm here for, to be honest. <laughs> um, but that that's that, that's what a lot of Twitter is. The reason I stay on Twitter is because it is the first place for news to break. For example, Osama bin Laden. The first place that Osama bin Laden's death broke was on Twitter before any of the news outlets. Um, it's the quickest and best place to get news, especially for football. That's that's the main reason I'm on there to try to stay up to date with what's going on around around the country in football terms. I get that. That that makes sense because I mean, ultimately, whilst we all support different clubs, um, we still have that. We still have football in that respect. Yeah. I mean, just before I left Twitter, I remember having a conversation with some Oldham fans. Because I really, well, I mean, my heart goes out to the, um, the fans of Oldham because it just appears to be an absolute nightmare of epic proportions for them. Um, yeah. It just seems to be something, again, I don't want to say anything you know, too legit, litigiously um, questionable. Um, but when it, I mean, it just seems very similar to what's gone on at Derby, just on a, on a different level. It. I just I don't know what to make of it. I mean, where I mean I know I'm Colchester based. Colchester have got a fantastic chairman who I mean dare I say the club uh, uh, I believe are in debt again. I I don't believe anything has been said publicly. I believe the club may have a few money issues, but it's all being sorted by the chairman. Yeah. And during lockdown, and I mean, to it's not often I'll give Marcus Evans much due, but the due I will give him is that during lockdown during furlough during all that any no one went without getting paid as far as yep. i'm aware all the bills were paid you know it was it was run in a way that it should have been run rather than an owner saying you know what i'm not interested in this anymore oh no sorry i haven't done as well oh i just i mean i i could talk about mel morris all day and i'm not going to i am I'll, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I agree. Marcus Evans is a very frugal manager, manager, owner, um, has a lot of money but didn't want to spend it. Um, 
I mean, as a Derby fan, don't get me wrong, when Mel Morris was spending the money, it was exciting. But the the way I put it, the way Mel Morris, what he did to Derby, was he, it's like you getting your missus's credit card, taking her all to nice dinners, spend paying it on the credit card, taking her to nice dinners, taking her on a nice holiday using her credit card, buying her flowers, buying her a new car on her credit card, paying that bill, but then one day going, nah, I don't, I don't want to pay this anymore, and leaving. And leaving her with a credit card bill. That is what Mel Morris has done to Derby. He's effectively gone in, spent a lot of money. He's, I mean, and not a lot of people from outside of Derby know this, but the head of recruitment, or the head, one of the top guys in recruitment was his stepson. And one of the top people in our um, scouting network is Joe McLaren, which is Steve McLaren's son. Now, you look at the, the issues Derby are in, it is because of because of the recruitment. We bought, if I say to you, Nick Blackman, right? You, you, you know Nick Blackman, striker, played for Reading, played for Sheffield United, I think it was. Never had a good season. And then at Reading, he had a good four months, scored a lot of goals, but everybody knew it was just a flash in the pan. And Derby went, he had six months on his contract, Mel Morrison and his stepson, and everyone thought it would be a good idea to spend three and a half million pounds on him and give him 44 grand a week wages. Funnily enough, it didn't work out. So Mel Morrison then got bored and went, nah, fuck it, I'm done, done with this now. See you later. And left us in the shit, put us into administration and left us in the shit. Um, that, that's what I don't have time for. Where at least Marcus Evans, he he always paid his bills, like you say. You never overspent, you never overstretched. Yes, you are in League One now, but at the end of the day, Derby are going to be in League One next season more than likely. And who's going to be in a better position to get out of League One, you or us next season, if you don't go up this season? I mean, it's, uh, it's an absolutely horrible situation to be in for any club. I mean... My hope is that the proposed uh, takeover of Derby does go ahead because I believe Marcus has been involved with that and Mike Ashley, which, say what you will about Mike Ashley, he may not be the nicest individual. He he may not be the nicest you'll ever meet. However, um, with, say, the Newcastle takeover, he left the club in a good position and it was run well as a business per se however was it you know thrilling football was it you know bringing in the best players in the world no it wasn't but because of again I'm probably going to get some abuse for this but because of how well he ran the business side of the club the club are now in a position where if they go and spend 200 million it's not going to affect financial I, I believe it's 300 I think it's almost 300 million they can spend before tickling financial fair play wow i mean but their revenue is is 29 million a year i want to say which is lower than brighton uh, and i know disrespect to brighton but newcastle are a bigger club with a bigger fan base, you would think 
Newcastle should be able to have a lot higher revenue. But the way Mike actually ran it was low costs, low revenue. Mm. He didn't want to invest it in. I don't want Mike Ashley, but if he came in, I wouldn't I wouldn't disgruntle it. I just think, right, okay, crack on. I think it would be I think if the you know, the two aforementioned people went into Derby, I feel they'd get the club ship shape on the business side. The only concern would be three years down the line, if you're not really competing, the fans would then start to think, well, hold on here with Derby County. We should be trying to at least get into the biggest league in the world. Um, so I don't think Marcus Evans or Mike Ashley are a serious bidder, to be honest. But anything can happen. When you're in administration, someone can come out of the blue. Um, we're just going to wait and see who's going to be who's going to get that preferred bidder. Um, Oh, what's it called? Preferred bidder. Whoever's going to be the preferred bidder, that's going to come to me a little bit later. Uh, but hey, enough about Derby because I will end up in tears. Um, we, we've done the British entrepreneur who's who's doing very well for himself, and I absolutely love I love it when a when a British company does does well. Um, I love hearing when anyone. Uh, Anyone Absolutely. does well. When that person started doing well at 17, yes. I mean, for me, I just see that as such a positive, not just for uh, uh, business in this country, but I think in terms of on a worldwide scale, it's fantastic. Cause ah, it also absolutely. dispels the stereotype that to be a good entrepreneur, you have to be either from money or just be an absolute so it'd be an absolute scoundrel i mean i i honestly i love it it's such a good feel-good story and i really wish him every success yeah have a look at him it's a nick d-a-l-o-i-s-i-o have a look at his twitter picture it looks like um george harrison from the beatles it's got strong look going on look over the look over the article and yeah i will i will agree with you there (laughs) okay so now we're on to barbie okay now, I didn't really understand that Barbie was still a thing. Um, so Barbie is created by Mattel. Uh, everyone who knows Mattel. Now, they, they have just released their third quarter sales, right? In US dollars, what do you think their third quarter sales, just a quarter, oh, was? Third quarter. I mean, this is a company, or sorry, uh, this is a product that is worldwide. It is. And... I mean, I, I wish to stress, I'm knocking on the door of 25. So it's been a while since I've, you know, been around. Uh, I'm sorry, it's been a while since I've been that general age around people with that general interest. I yeah. I would have a punt at 800 million. US or English? Uh, US dollars. Yeah, no, it's 1.8 billion. This, this is just what I want to talk about. How? How, how are Mattel selling $1.8 billion a quarter? That just seems insanity to me. And f- fucking fair play to you guys. Fair bloody play to you. As, and I don't really want to talk about anything else about it. I don't think anyone's interested about hearing about Barbie. But just those numbers are eye-watering. Fair play. Wow, that's 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 impressive. It is very, 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 very impressive. Well, I guess thinking about it, would that be a business model that would have been affected by the pandemic? I mean, 
I think with the, I guess the worst case scenario is that it just would have been online sales rather than perhaps yeah, true. a physical shop. I mean, would it be affected that much, really? Well, Mattel said the the reason for because it's an eight percent increase. The reason for it is um, because parents are spending their money on their children instead of themselves, because we've all been stuck inside. We kids haven't been able to go out to parks and stuff like that, so parents have been spending more on toys to entertain the children. So that that's their understanding of the increase. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But f- fair play, guys. You've been going for seven hundred billion years, and you're still whipping out one point eight billion a quarter. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, that's incredible. Uh, right, so that's all the news from me. Anything you wanted to add, Mister Kennedy? Um, obviously you are aware of, uh, our, well, anyone who's listening and has listened for a while now will know our love of football. And I was slightly perplexed by, I saw this this morning, the BBC had oh, put out an interview saying that if anyone wants to buy Jude Bellingham, it's going to, you're going to have to bid in the region of 120 to 130 million pounds. Bargain. And I just, I don't know what to make of that. I, again, I haven't been avidly watching the Bundesliga, but I just think, is that, is that too much? Has he done oh, enough? To Barbie could that? buy him. Uh, Jesus. Would you? Barbie could buy him. <laughs> I thought he said you would, but <laughs> no, yeah. I just, I don't know if that type of figure would. I don't get me wrong. I. I, I want to see him do well, and this is not me taking any form of a dig at him, but. I mean, some of the valuations in football now, just it's crazy. I mean, you go back to sort of, um, say, I can't remember when it happened. must have been about, what, 2010, 2011, when Robin Van Persie moved to Man United for 25 million quid. Yeah. And that, at the time, was seen as a massive fee. But how much would that player cost now, like in today's market? 100 million? 130 million? It's crazy. I just, yeah. I don't, uh, it's... I think when it gets to a stay, you know, that sort of figure, it's really hard to get your head around it. And I don't know if they're justifying that or merchandising rights or uh, or ticket sales or shirt sales or whatever. I just, it's not, it, it gets to a point where I just can't fathom the digits. No, that, no player is worth that. No, it's, it, that's a stupid number. He's a phenomenal player. I saw him playing against Derby when he was at Birmingham. And, um, at the time, we've got a young player called Louis Sibley, who's a little bit older. And Louis Sibley's stats were better than Jude Bellingham's. So Jude Bellingham had gone for £25 because they signed him early before the window. So they knew Jude Bellingham was going. And a few Derby fans were going, oh, Louis Sibley's worth more, he's scored more, he's assisted more, blah, 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 blah. And then I watched Jude Bellingham play. As a 17-year-old, he tore Derby apart single-handedly, and I thought, yeah, he's a he's an absolute player. Is he worth 130 million? Uh, no, uh, absolutely not. He's, he's not worth anywhere near that. But what you've got to remember is he's on a long-term contract. If you want to buy out his contract, that's what it's going to cost you. Um, he is only 18, only just turned 18, so he's got his best years in 10 years time he should be the best version of himself so yeah I wouldn't take those numbers too seriously but in a few years time I'm sure he'll be knocking on that door of that figure 
because he's a phenomenal wait player. and see what he's worth then. I mean, Absolutely. one thing I do like, and I don't know what it is about the Bundesliga, but the Bundesliga is very good at taking younger players. I mean, we look at Jaden Sancho. Yeah, uh, he went to Dortmund at a at a you know fairly young age. Yeah, um, and he's now absolutely tearing it up. I mean, he's yeah. had the space to develop, get confident, and then come back to the Premier League all guns blazing. I mean, I don't know what it is about the Bundesliga with younger talent, but fair play, whatever they're doing, it's absolutely fantastic. Who is is it? Reese Oxford, I believe he is playing in Germany. Is it Hoffenheim? He did an interview and he said the the attitude to young players over there is completely different. It is just a case of, well, if you're good enough, you play. Hence why Jude Bellingham is playing and why Jaden Sancho plays and Erling Haaland plays and all these young players come through there. I think the, the, the Premier League, because we've got an embarrassment of riches through our TV deal... And they need instant success. They they can't afford to play these young players. They it's it's a, too much of a risk. For example, if you put Mason Greenwood in Dortmund, he's playing every week. He's scoring thirty goals a season. What because he's at United, Ollie won't play him. Uh, but he won't play him every week. Where he really he should be because he, he's again he's a talent. He's yeah. an absolute talent. Very good young talent. It's it's crazy, and I mean, I I do like that. I do like the attitude. If if you're good enough, or sorry, if you're old enough, you're good enough. Yeah. As in this country, there's so much of a pressure to, unless that player is astronomically good, they're not getting a game. Despite yes. the fact of how, I mean, I hate. I don't want to ban the word potential around because at the end of the day, anyone's got potential to a certain level of degree. But I mean, there are some players who are coming through, and you just think. They just need minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you look at players like Mason Mount went abroad at 18. Then he came to Derby at 19. Uh, and then at 21, he won the Champions League and was player of the season. So it just shows that these young players need minutes to develop. Not in, not in kids' football. They need it in men's football. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, Chelsea, United, Arsenal, all of you, send your best youth players to Derby. <laughs> we bloody need them. Jeez, please, please, please send them. This. What you mean, say is please send all your best yeah. players to Derby and pay <laughs> their way so we don't oh, have to. Yeah, we can't afford them. Please, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a pack of Jaffa cakes for any of them. Come on, please. Oh, is that your final offer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll That's take, all we can we'll afford. Take young players, we'll give you a, a packet of Jaffa cakes and a bag of waivers. <laughs> few broken obnobs. Uh, <laughs> here's a, um, a random story. Apparently, at the new camp, or the Camp new, they can't use their ovens during the game because it shorts out their electricity. What? <laughs> That's the big, one of the biggest clubs in the world. That is how much of a shit show they're in. They have been so heavily invested in the playing squad Spending 130 million on Dembele and Coutinho and all this kind of garbage, that they've not actually sorted the infrastructure of their own ground out, that they can't use the ovens because it will short out their electricity. That, Insanity. That just sounds like one of those rumours that's so random it could potentially be true. No, it is true. It's, they've confirmed it. Oh Madness. My God. <laughs> 
Insanity. Crazy. Right. So, it is time for Senor Kennedy to interview me, to um, for me to tell you guys uh, about my story. I've had, I've had a couple of people DM me a few weeks ago asking about what I what I did, what I do, um, why I love statistics so much, why I'm a big stinky nerd. A lot of these kind of questions I get all the time, to be honest. And because we've not got a, a guest this week, we, we thought it'd be a good time just to, to run through that, to get I'll, a better feel. I'll say, people have heard about me, let's hear about you. I, know, I mean, it's... obviously, I've known you for a little while through the old incarnation of the hard truth business community. It goes without saying that you and numbers are a match made in heaven. Oh, Especially yes. when it comes into the world of betting. and Yes. I mean, I can tell it's easy to see anyone who has any inclination about Twitter will see how passionate you are about it, especially when you were taking digs at Football Index for being a, what did you, what did you refer to it Shit as? show. Yep. A Ponzi <laughs> scheme. <laughs> yep. Using your, <coughs> using your uh, own words there. So how did this... Uh, how did you become the number magnate that you are today? Oh, God, don't say that. You'll have a few people laughing at that. Um, well, <laughs> as, as, I've, as I've said previously, I'm a, just a big stinky nerd, right? I'm a big football fan. I'm a big stinky nerd. I love the numbers behind the game. So uh, I remember this was probably about 2015. So I was about 2014, 2015 time. Um, I... Well, I put a bet on a game and it lost. And any normal mid-20-year-old, so similar to what you are now, you just go, oh no, I lost. That'll do. Not me. Not big stinky number nerd. What I thought is, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see if I can create a spreadsheet that can predict the outcome of games. Okay? Just wanted to build a score predictor. So it was about half nine. I loaded up the laptop, and at about half twelve, I'd, I'd built this really rudimental spreadsheet to help me, where you input some fixtures of two teams, and then it would spit out a score prediction. This is before expected goals was a thing. Um, and I thought, right, well, I need to test it out. The only games playing at that time were the Argentinian Premier Liga. So... I, there was two games playing. I input the data for those two games and it got the score on both of them bang on. Got it exactly right. That weekend, I tested it out with Leeds played somebody and it had Leeds to win 4-0 and Leeds won 4-0. Now, this is before Bielsa. This is this might have been like Paul Heck in bottom days. This is, this is a while ago. So I thought, oh, geez, like, I want to a bit of a bit of a winner here um it's it's difficult to say but over the next year to two years it wasn't just a case that i left it i, I grew the spreadsheet the spreadsheet went from about 300 kb to about 20 megabytes in size and then i thought i kind of I, I love business and i thought i can make a business out of this i wanted to give it a go and what's the best way for people to get this data? And I didn't really know much about betting at the time. I just thought you'd bet on who you think's going to win. I thought, well, I'll create, I'll create an app. And 
create a business, build an app. Um, I can't code. So I went to a code shop and I said to them, look, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to build. Build me this. They said, yeah, of course, not a problem. That'll be six grand, please. I don't have six grand. Got a loan for a car. Paid them the money. They started building it. They got to about 90% completion. I paid them about five of the six grand, the last grand to be paid when it uh, when it was finished. Um, and you'll never guess what happened, Mr. Kennedy. What happened? That company went bust. So with it, I'd paid them all that money and they went bust. So I'd lost the money. They I managed, though, to keep the source code. Um, from there, I kind of shopped around a few people and managed to find a guy called, uh, a bloke called Ash, um, who was phenomenal. Very, very, very clever bloke. And he finished off the app for me. Now, in the meantime, uh, I had all this data. So we didn't just have the score prediction. I had the percentage chance of a home win, of an away win, of a draw. It worked out the percentage chance of a home win and both teams to score. Uh, it had the chance over one and a half, two and a half, three and a half goals. It it gave me all these percentage chances of doing that. Um, so I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll sell this data. Um, twice a week, I would get the... The, the source data in let's say from a from, from a web page um called it's football hyphen data it's run by a guy called joseph buchdahl who the guy is the closest to a genius i've met he's a betting expert he he um he's very negative on the betting industry especially on marketing techniques he was very early to the days of affiliate marketing so when for example affiliate marketing in betting world how it works is if you see i'm going to use this term very lightly and i'm using air quotations for people listening tipsters tipsters when they post hey sign up to bet365 today and get 15 quid free bet blah 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 what they're doing, if you sign up through their link, they will get 30% of any losses you make for life. Okay? Wow. So Joseph Buchdahl, he was very early on Bet365, so he makes a lot of money from those people that signed up with him in the early days that every time they lose a bet, he makes money for life. So he's got a lot of these people signed up. Bet365 don't do that anymore, so you can't sign up to be to be one of these affiliate marketers. Um, so I, I got the data from from Joseph. I ran it through my spreadsheet. It spat out all this my my data, and then I'd sell that data to people, pay me five quid a month, and get it. Um, I then thought, you know what? I'm, this is doing pretty well. I had, I had a couple of hundred people signed up paying me for this. Thought I kind of want to go in it full time. Want to go in it properly. I want to raise some money. Um. Again, still not really knowing anything about betting. And this is when I thought, well, if I want to raise money, I kind of need to know how the betting industry works. How does Bet365 make its money? How does Unibet, how do Paddy Power, how do they make their money? And 
how do professional gamblers make their money? How do they beat them? The thing that most people found really boggling when they talked to them about professional gambling is you don't bet on who you think will win. So if I say if I say to you, for me to beat the bookies, I'm not going to bet on who I think is going to win. That sounds weird, right? Yeah, it certainly does sound weird. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't. What you do is you you bet on ill-priced bets. So where they've got the odds wrong. Now, a lot of the time, they've got the odds wrong on purpose because a bookmaker, they aren't just trying to provide you with the, the most accurate odds and then add in their little percentage on top for their profit to work out what their profit margin is, by the way. You can take, um, for example, Man United versus Man City, home win, draw, away win. You can take those odds. You can transfer those odds to what's called implied probability, which is percentage. You can then add up that implied probability and it should come to 100% because there's a 100% chance that a game's going to finish either a home win, a draw or an away win. But it will actually add up to 102%, 103, 104. You go down the leagues, you go to League 2, you go to the conference, it's 106, 107. You go to not known leagues, that implied probability comes a lot higher. That's their profit margin. That's where they make their money. So what you, what what I did was I came up with my own implied probability. So if they said, right, Man United have got a 25% chance of winning, there's a 22% chance of a draw, and then there's a, there's a 53% chance of Man City winning. Where well, I work it out, and I go, actually, I think there's a 30% chance of Manchester United winning, blah, 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 knock on, knock on. I then think, well, the, there's about there's about five percent value there. They've 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 underpriced it by five percent. I'm gonna bet on Man United, even if I don't think Man United will win. I'm gonna bet on Man United. Now I didn't actually bet. I didn't actually put my own money in because I'm a, a, a getting married that year, so I didn't have that much money. It was all saving, but I was still tracking it as if I was betting. And then it was coming out that oh shit, yeah, this is over long term, over many bets, you, you'd you win. You come out 5% up. Um, I then worked out a way to backtrack. So basically take this data that I got from Joseph, which had seasons and seasons and seasons worth of data going back about 15 years. And I managed to build my algorithm out to say, right, if the date was the 15th of March, 2002, what would my algorithm have predicted? What would I have bet on? And what would I have made or lost? So when testing my algorithm, I'd, I'd, I'd change my algorithm, then I'd run it. I would go away and I'd go, I'd press a button and it would run my algorithm on 10 years worth of data to instantly get me like a thousand bets. Wow. So that is a way of proofing it. Um, so yeah, I wanted to, I, I wanted to get investment to to build it, to grow a website, to to kind of educate people and provide this this betting data. Um, over painstaking months and a lot of pictures, I finally found 
a couple of angel investors um, who were professional gamblers. They, they bet on horses, but they wanted to get involved in football. Now, the hardest thing for professional gamblers is having an account to bet with. So, for example, a professional gambler who is known to, to bookmakers, they, your account will be closed down within 15 minutes of setting it up. I'm not even sure. So when when these bookies say that they can't close down problem gamblers, people with gambling addiction, bollocks, because they could find me within 15 minutes, no problem, without a doubt. So what you have to do is you literally have to set up an account, place a bet, and leave as soon as you can to be able to place a bet. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a winning gambler. You could be losing money. But if the the odds that I bet on are different to what's called the closing odds, uh, well, called the opening odds, so when the game starts, if I bet on a game and I've got the home team to win at 2.2, for example, which is I, I work in decimal odds, but when the game kicks off, the odds on the home team to win is 2, there's my perceived 10% value. I've bet on them higher than it should have. They'll notice that and bang, you'll be closed down. You'll be able to set up an account or your account will be restricted. So you'll be able to bet £1.30. So that's all I can bet with Bet365. That's all I can bet with a lot of them. Other than Skybet, who I can still bet with, but I don't really. Um, so these investors, they wanted to get involved in football because even though horse racing is the second most popular sport to gamble on, the volume is is a lot lower than football. So it's a lot harder to hide. So if there's a lot of people putting a lot of money onto a um, into a specific game, it's easier to hide in the crowd as a professional. Whereas horse racing, there's less people putting money on them on a Tuesday at two o'clock. Then it's harder for him to hide. So the account was getting shut down. So they wanted to get involved in football, and they wanted me to be able to go full time to build out this algorithm and make it as as good as possible. Now. It is a question for you, Mr. Kennedy. What what percentage return, return on investment? So if I'm betting £100, what, as a professional gambler, what do you think I will be returning as, as a professional with all this stuff better than 99.9% of the people out there? Wow, I have... As I, a, I, absolutely, I have no idea. I mean... Oh. I mean, I say if you're betting 100 quid, you'd hope if you were a professional... If that might was... be that might be on 100 bets, by the way. You might have put okay. a pound on it. So it's not okay. just one bet. Wow. I mean, you'd hope at the, uh, you'd hope to if you were doing that as your perceived li- livelihood, you'd hope to double your money at the very least. No. You oh. are... No, no. So you are looking... Well, my algorithm for every £100 bet it was returning just shy of £106. So, uh, being anything above 0% is incredible. If you're in the realms of 5%, you're top, top, top tier. Um, so, I was I was at that, that 5%, just a little bit over 5%. What, are, what you've got to... What you want to understand, though, is 
if I was to give you an interest rate on your bank account at 5% annually, it's not bad. You've got 100 grand, you're making five grand a year. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not bad. What you got to remember about football betting is you're making 5% a day. So if, I mean, I obviously didn't bet at these levels, but the the my investors would bet at 10 grand per bet. And we were we were putting on around six bets per day on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So four days a week, you averaging between three and six per day. Bearing in mind, it was over 400 games a week we looked at. And out of those 400 games, there was three options. So there's 1,200 possible bets. We could only find value on around about... 15 a week so that just shows how difficult it is to find a value bet um so yeah we uh, they they invested and but i wanted to have a a front facing uh, a a consumer facing product or website um where people could go on they could get the data they could make more informed bets um we, we will tell them the, uh, the value. I wasn't going to tell them the true value because that's what my investors paid for. They, they're the ones that want to know the, the proper games to bet on. But what I wanted to do is provide data so people could go on the website and they could make their own choice and they yeah. could say, well, oh, there's, there's a high percentage chance on over two and a half goals here. That's what I'm going to go for. Then, so we had that and we had... Um, the betting side, which was between me and the gamblers, I would send them uh, twice a week the recommended bets. They would then go away and do without what they wanted. The agreement that I had is I would take a percentage profit off their bets. So I didn't bet on it myself because I didn't have the money to, um, but I would get a percentage. So it's risk very low for me. Reward was, was fairly high. Now, the problem is I hired a programmer to build this website and stay rolled story started off very well and then cracks started to appear paid him a fortune until one day we needed it completed my investor was pissed off well i went to him and said how much would it cost you to complete this the site to completely finish it and go he said this is the number we paid him that number he fucked off without without really doing anything Gosh. so yeah and and that fucked me so the investor wasn't happy because we'd lost a lot of his money um still had all the betting data sent to him and he wanted to carry on but he wanted someone to invest with we couldn't find anybody coronavirus hit um no football betting could happen and it kind of just killed it to a death to the point where i had to close shop um so because well, there's nothing to bet on and i didn't want to keep paying accountants for getting zero revenue out of my own pocket and that's 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 the that that's why i'm very um honest with what advice i'll give because i've been through it's fucking really tough when you're putting your own money into something and then you just get fucked over and i made a lot of mistakes on my behalf that with my future ventures and my current ventures i won't do um, but yeah, that, that is where my love of numbers comes from. I've got a huge database on player data. Every single game that happens in 40-odd leagues, um, we will simulate that game 
about 10,000 times to find out how often does team A win, how often does team B win, how often do they draw, how often does over two and a half goals, how often is that scored. And that's how I come up with the, the odds. Because how often, if it happens 50% of the time, then that's evens or 2.0 in decimal. And then you compare that to Bucky's odds, and that's where you can find the value. So yeah, that's that's the story of what was started off as Beat the Bucky's app, and then it we changed it to betgoat.com. Um, and then, yeah, we closed it down. I still own the domain of betgoat.com. Um, I've still got a... Well, I'll, to be fair, I'll, 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 I'll say it here. I'll, my idea for a for a website that I'm building, um, it is... We have, we have an exclusive. And that's it, yeah. Um, it is something I've been working on for a while. I'm not in no rush. It costs me zero pounds per month to do this. I just, if I've got a spare 15 minutes, I'll go on and I'll try to learn how to code and I'll build this myself. Um, you know Sky Super 6? Uh, yeah, I'm aware of it. Um, so it's very, it's very similar concept to that, but instead of paying it for free, uh, what people do is you will pay two pounds, three pounds a week, and you will exactly the same as Super Six. You will choose seven games. One of those games you'll put as your banker, depending on the score, and if you get it right, you get a certain amount of points. And then if you are the person with the top amount of points, or if you're in the top 10%, you then get, you win the money that has been pulled from the people putting their predictions. So if there's 100 people putting in three quid, there's a pool of money of 300 quid. I'll take 10, 15% out of that to run the site. Then the rest of that money goes into a pot where if you win, you get 80% of it. So your £2 could turn into £200, for example. Um, and then if you come second, you get a certain percentage, blah, 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 blah. Every week, there's a chance of winning that. So it's it's, it's a basically a pool game. Okay. So that's what I'm using that for. It, that's a very simple way of describing what it is but it's it's a way of people gambling and you're not but you're not gambling against the house you are basically small stakes and it allows you to bet against other people and it's 100 skill based you're not getting fucked over by odds it is just whether you are good at predicting games um so that's what that's what i'm building out at the moment um as and when i can really oh well, i mean to go Again, it really, really interesting stuff. To go way, way back to when you were looking for investment, um, was that literally just a case of emailing people you knew or did you have any wider sort of marketing plan or was it literally just using sources you already had or contacts or, I mean, how did, how did that really go? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, from my area of work, whilst you can throw money at something or getting those connections at the end of the day, it's if you know someone and you have known for a while, the job becomes so much easier to get anything like that done. I had zero contacts. I did not know anybody with a net worth over a hundred thousand. Um, absolute zero. So what it was is a lot of time, um, cold emailing, um, DMing on LinkedIn, sending. 
tweeting people um, and just sending over what's called a pitch deck, which is basically a PowerPoint presentation about your product, um, how much money you want to raise, what you're going to use that money for, what your team is, blah, blah, blah. And that's so probably to raise the money for put a number, I probably sent about 500 emails oh, wow. to find one investor. Um, so people think that to raise money, you, I've, I've, I've had no twice. <laughs> and they give up. No, you have, you, you have to, you have to be rejected at least 200 times mm. before you'll get one. Yes. And all you need is one. Yes. I spoke to venture capitalists. I, I pitched probably 80, 90 times until I, till I could raise the money because it's not just about finding an investor. It's about finding the right investor. You've got to remember this is a gambling product and a lot of investors are uncomfortable with that. Whereas, so I had to find investors that um, were interested in gambling. They understood gambling. And to be honest, they were perfect. They were so fucking smart. They were so helpful. Unfortunately, I didn't perform. And that's something I take on the chin and that's something I don't shy away from and I never will that I could have, if I could do it all again, trust me, there's a, there's a thousand things I would have done differently. Um, but yeah, so it was just a lot of graphs, a lot of cold emails, a lot of fucking, oh, this person's got a bit of money. Getting someone to reply to a DM on Twitter was insane. Getting them to give me their email address so I could send them an email about my product, about beating the bookies up at the time was was insane and then having a phone call with my investor was half an hour on the phone with him and it was great it was really really good to to put my ideas across about football betting and i remember at the time the the example i use all the time is arsenal paid burnley at that time and um my odds said that burnley should have been favorites it was at burnley and um, Arsenal were in awful form but Arsenal were the favourites and that's this is how I'd say value to people the reason Arsenal were favourites is because they're a sexier team more people will just see Arsenal they'll think Arsenal will batter Burnley they won't understand that actually Burnley sh- are at the moment at home should be beating Arsenal Um and to be fair, the, the the horrible truth about that is actually Arsenal won that game because Alexis Sanchez scored a 90th minute winner. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Arsenal won. The fact of the matter was Arsenal were favourites at evens and Burnley were at 4.0. So if I put a pound on, I would have got £4 back. Where actually it should have been the other way around. So if you were to play that game a thousand times, or, uh, Burnley would win about half of those games. Because of the way Burnley pay, the way the way that they matched up, the form that both teams were in, um, and Arsenal would win probably about twenty five percent of their games, and then draw about twenty five percent. Wow, and that's that's the thing. But because Arsenal are so much sexier than Burnley, and they're a bigger brand, so people, if you put Arsenal at four point oh, bet three six five are going to get absolutely inundated with Arsenal bets. So if Arsenal do win one of those 25% games, Bet365 are going to get absolutely cleared out. 
because the odds were really high against them and a lot of people were bet where they're they've got a separate algorithm which works out how many bets to expect to get so if these are the odds what how many bets do we expect to get and then at what percentage chance does that outcome happen so from there it then works out where they're going to make the most profit it's really difficult to explain how it works but that is how they do it and they're just trying to make the most money out of you not to give you the correct odds Sure. I mean, you are spot on with uh, what you're saying in terms of it's something that is clearly quite hard to explain from what I can tell you've done it very, very well. Um, I mean, gambling is one of those things where it's you either love it or you hate it. I mean, I've spoken to numerous football clubs and again, I'm not I won't name names. A number of them have said where say I've been bidding on ads or trying to get advertising space or um, trying to get deals together. A number of them have said to me, well, we've had this gambling company offering offer more, but we want to take your offer because you're you're a cleaner brand for us to be associated with. Yeah. And it is I mean, is that something that perhaps is a you know, what do you think is a you know, a danger in that respect? I mean, I know I believe um that uh, Bolton have now said they won't be doing any form of uh uh, gambling advertising, which is crazy because I remember when they were in the Premier League, I think it was Bet365 who were on the shirt for a good amount of time. And then for them to say, well, no, we're not doing that anymore because of the uh, connotations associated with, or sorry, potential connotations with gambling. I mean, is that something that would be worrisome so, for the business you were setting up? Or is it just a case of you thinking, you know what, it's it's one of those things there will always be a market for it i'm not worried i my opinion on gambling is i would never advise someone to gamble because it's a way of pissing away your money it's a way of losing money to lose away and losing money very quickly um bet 365 are always going to win um uh, advertise i i think darren actually talked about this on the pod um and he said it's, it's a bit like virtue signaling for what Bolton have done. I I would agree in some respects to that because who are Bolton to tell their fans what they should and shouldn't see? Now, I am very much of the persuasion of I'm a fucking grown-up, you're a grown-up, um, I should be able to understand gambling is bad gambling is good but having someone having 32 red bet 365 on the front of the shirt isn't going to make a difference to whether i gamble or not um you've what 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 i think should happen is regulation that they're, they're self-regulated first of all which is incredibly stupid because it's wrong. You just listened to Paul Merson for five minutes. How the fuck did these gambling firms not block his account? Is ridiculous. I heard a quote from Paul Merson saying he didn't have carpets in his house. He had a concrete floor in the four-bedroom house. He didn't have carpets because he spent it on gambling. Wow. Like I said earlier, 
these gambling firms can identify me in 15 minutes. They, 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 they know exactly who I am and they can block my account. Their software can block me straight away, no problem. But they can't block Paul Merson, who's, who's losing £7 million, pounds, or is it £7 million pounds a year or something stupid. Wow. They they can't be self regulated. For example, um, when with with certain accounts before they got blocked, um, the way that the professional gamblers get accounts is they will pay three hundred quid to somebody to use their account to bet with and close down. Okay, I when I realized I don't I haven't bet in years um, because I didn't have time to bet. My 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 job was to find the bets and send them to somebody else. Let them fuck around with all that. Um, so, but for some reason, my account got restricted because every so often I would put a little bet on. I tried to put a bet on a couple of weeks ago and saw my account restricted. Just for me to open my account back up, went into my normal account and logged in and they said, right, what we need from this is Bet365. I'll fucking name you, Shaman. Um, they needed me to send them a picture of my ID they needed to send them a picture of me holding my ID. They needed me to send over all this, all loads of loads of shit just to open up an account. Just to re not even open up an account, sorry, to log back into my account. And then when I eventually did, I could only bet £1.28 or something like that. So my account had been restricted. Now, they have the means and the power to, to stop problem gamblers gambling. Bolton Wanderers saying we won't be associated with gambling firms isn't going to stop. You're not going to have somebody struggling with gambling up in Bolton go, oh, they've not got it on the front of the shirt anymore. I don't want to bet. In the same way as an alcoholic not seeing Budweiser on the front of a shirt isn't going to make them, I want to drink. This is a, this is a problem that runs a lot deeper than that. And they need regulated. They need regulating properly. They, if they're, there, there needs to be some strict criteria that says what a problem gambler is, and they shouldn't be able to gamble. For example, if you click on Skybet and say take a break, I want to take a break from gambling for I've, I've lost a lot of money. I want to take a break for a week. Very very well. If you take a break from Skybet. You can't place a bet on Bet365. There is some sort of database that cross-references you and you can't place a bet with other betting companies. Um, that That is where things should happen. Things should take place to stop problem gamblers. Bolton saying, we're not going to advertise. Is, yeah, that's fine, but that's not going to stop the problem. That's just going to stop money going into Bolton's pocket because... Fucking eight 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 bet. They're just gonna go. Okay, we can't go Bolton. We're gonna go Preston. We're gonna go twenty minutes down the road. We're gonna go Preston. We're gonna go to um, <laughs> Oldham. We're gonna go to Derby. We're gonna go to Nottingham Forest. We're gonna go to Leicester. We're gonna go to. There's there's ninety two professional teams in this country. That that isn't where Bolton should be taking their stand. And fair play if that's what they want to do. Fair play Bolton. Um. Instead, they should be pressing for for regulation and they shouldn't be allowed to get away with it. Again, we've talked about this before. 
Denise Coates, who pays herself 200 odd million a year, who's the um, chairperson of Bet365. Fair play. She's created a product that people love. But they should be doing more to protect problem gamblers. They they know. They know who their problem gamblers are and they should they, they should stop those people gambling, but they won't because that's where they make their money. But anyway, that's that's a rant about me on that very simple question you asked. No, no, but that's no, that's I mean... my opinion. That's my opinion on it. I think we're not a nanny state. We sh- we should be able to make grown up decisions about whether we should bet or not. And if we are a problem gambler, then that decision should be taken out of our hands if we're identified as a problem gambler. No, I, I do agree. And also, I mean, you see it on any form of um, advertising now. It's when the fun stops, stop. I mean, it very much seems to be that, oh, well, if you have a problem, there's somewhere for you to get, you, know, you can find out. Which is part of, don't get me wrong, is part of the remedy. But ultimately, if someone doesn't know they've got a problem, or say they're in that in a circle where, let's say you know if you were spending what a thousand pound a week, and I'd never gambled before, I know nothing about the um, uh, the sector. I might there might be a risk that I perhaps would think that type of behaviour is normal. It, it it comes down to actually being self aware enough to think it. I'd yeah. be thinking, okay, yep, this is this isn't right. This isn't for me. Take a step away. It's don't get me wrong. It's it's clearly a very profitable industry, and actually, again, I have no. I want to stress, I have no issue with gambling. Will I will gamble myself? It's not not terribly often. So I've got to be honest. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was at the Colchester United Spurs game where Colchester beat Spurs. Uh, I had put a bet on that game that Colchester would win on penalties. Uh, I've got. I've, must, I can't remember the exact figure I bet. I think I must have put a fiver or a tenner on. I came back with about 250 quid. And at that point, I thought, right, I'm going I'm, to... I'm, I'm, I'm not... That's going straight into the straight into the bank account and that's where it's going to stay. The, the thing that I... Again, I've got no problem with gambling. I've got no problem with drinking. I've got no problem with... Um, recreational drug use. If someone wants to smoke weed, then fucking so be it. I do have a problem with problem gambling. I do have a problem with with alcoholism. I do have a problem with severe drug use. Um, and that's where you need to get involved, where people can't control it. 99%, probably, I'd probably say about 97% of people out there can control the gambling, and it is they bet what they can afford to lose. Um, but you need to protect the, the 3 4% of people that can't do it. And, um, <laughs> yeah, the problem is it will affect Bet365 bottom line. Um, but so be it, because people's lives are ruined by it. And there are certain people out there that just need protecting. And what I would say is if you are, if you're, if you're a gambling person, or as a gambling man, because there are a lot of women out there that gamble as well, if you want to place bets, what I'd say is, understand what you're betting on what i'd say by that and here's a statistic that shocks a lot of people um liverpool a few years ago i can't remember what season they they won every game bar one at home where crystal palace beat them at home okay 
if you would bet on Liverpool to lose every single home game that season, you'd have made a profit. And that is what people don't understand, is you're not betting on who you think will win. And never, if you're doing an accumulator, first of all, very silly because, well, unless if you're doing an accumulator thinking I'm guaranteed to win and you're putting 50 quid in an accumulator, it's very silly because you've got negative, let's call it negative equity because you're betting at odds where you're betting saying there's a 25% chance of this team winning when actually there's a 20% chance of this team winning. Um, if you are so you're you're in negative equity there because there's less chance of that team winning than you're betting on, so you're getting worse odds. And if you're compounding that with two, three, four, five bets, you're massively in the red. You, you're you're fucked. Yes, you might win it, but the bookmakers still win because there's enough people that have placed the same accumulator without including. Uh, but they included a game, let's say, they they put in their Real Madrid to win or Bayern Munich to win to boost my odds. And that's the one game that Bayern Munich draw at home. Because it happens. Bet365 just made a million quid. Are you doing that? So if you are going to bet, people listen to this, never bet on very, very short odds to boost your acker. Fucking idiotic. Stupid. Because... The risks are not worth the return. Um, you, you see it. Arsenal drew 2-2 against Palace and were lucky to draw 2-2. How many people that weekend had Arsenal in their racker to boost their odds? You'll have Man City, Liverpool, United, Real, Barca, Bayern, PSG... These people will just go, oh, I've only got a threefold at the moment. Let's just chuck a couple of these teams in Juventus. Let's just chuck a few of these in to boost my odds. That's what the bookmakers want you to do. Fucking stay away from them, mate. Stay away from them. Because there's no point. Your, your risk isn't worth a return. If anybody wants help with their betting, their betting strategy, DM me. Talk to me. I've got time for anybody. I, will, I can guarantee I can make anybody a better gambler. Unless you're fucking Tony Bloom who owns um, Brighton, who's the best gambler in the world, or Mark Benham, who owns Brentford, who are two very, very smart guys. But I can make 98% of the people in this country who gamble regularly better gamblers. Um, I, there's just a, there's a, a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me that put a lot more money into it that... I wouldn't even dare say their name because they'll be disrespectful to them. But to, to the other people, if you want any advice, please DM me, ask any questions and I'll, I'll happily help you. Send me your acronym and I'll rip it apart. I'll tell you why you're stupid. <laughs> and where can they find you? They can find me um, on Twitter, his best place, Mish DCFC, I believe my handle is. Send me a DM on Twitter. Um, if you're part of the community, just please just drop me a text from the WhatsApp group. I'll happily respond. Even DM us directly to our, uh, the hard truth business, Twitter, which hard underscore business. DM us there and I'll, I'll, I'll help you. If you think you've got a problem as well, a gambling problem, I'll help you with that. 
because my first advice is to not gamble. But if you want to put a small stakes on it, you want to try to make a bit of money, make it a bit more interesting, and you want to just bet a bit smarter, fucking yeah, message me. I'll help you. Rich or poor. And that feels like a great place to call it a day there. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoyed that. Chatting about myself for for 45 minutes. (laughs) That you certainly did. We have got... With any luck, as of next month, we should have, well, unless things change at this moment in time, we should have our first guest. Who I don't want to say, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, however, in fact, I tell a lie there, it's, pretend, it's looking to be two guests. One chap who I've known in digital marketing for the best part of five years and the boss of his business who looks a really, really interesting proposition that I genuinely feel will bring value to bluntly anyone listening to this. So fingers crossed. I'm in the process of trying to get a couple of others involved. And with any luck, we should hopefully have a sponsor soon. Really, really hope. And equally, if you do want to sponsor, just drop us a DM via our Instagram page, our Facebook page, or by our Twitter page. And we'll try and work something out because we would love to get sponsors involved in this. Absolutely. And the reason we're doing this is because we're a couple of idiots that want to get smarter by talking to smarter people than us. And that is um, why we're trying to get guests on here. Interesting guests that we can learn off. It's it's completely selfish. We don't care about you guys learning. We just want to get smarter ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) It's completely selfish product. I wish to stress, Mike does not speak for me in this matter. <laughs> whoa, whoa, you were texting me saying, <laughs> oh, forget all them, it's all about us. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, it's your words. Now, obviously, just kidding, we, we, we want to help anybody on the business journey because we know how fucking tough it is. And a really good way to help is by, by listening to interesting stories from, from smart people. And that's, what we want to, that's who we want to interview on here. Happy days. And with that, we shall bring this episode of the Hard Truth podcast to an end. Um, unless Mike uh, Mike has anything he uh, wants to rant and rave about. I don't believe we've mentioned your your favourite people at Insulate Britain, but to be perfectly honest, uh, I have absolutely zero desire to give those idiots any more airtime than we did previously. Except for their cause. We back their cause of a more sustainable country. We just think you're a load of fucking idiots the way you're doing it. (laughs) And yeah, yeah, but their cause is a great cause. Everybody recycle, insulate your homes. Do uh, practice what they preach and just just try to ignore what they're doing to, to get that message out there. Yeah, I mean, please, if you are in, if you are sympathetic to their cause, which, to be perfectly honest, I probably am, don't superglue your hand to a road. Please, please don't. don't try and push someone in a Range Rover to run you over, because trust me, they probably will. Oh, God, these soccer mums and um, head of marketing at law firms, they'll run you oh, over. Oh, I, <laughs> I feel called out. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Please uh, don't run people over. I'm not endorsing that in the slightest. <laughs> but please, please, please. Tar- it, with the last year and a half, it's been hard for a whole lot of people. Whilst you may feel you're doing the right thing for the environment, you may be making someone's life infinitely worse in the process. So please, absolutely, we're all in this together. Let's, Think about each other. Yeah, let's do it for one another. 
Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, everybody. And uh, we will see you next week. Ta-da. Thank you.